this multiverse world that we live in, James, and we're going to be talking about The Flash later, yes. but, um, you know, we've talked about... A both multiverse and time travel film. Yes, and uh, across the Spider-Verse uh, recently mm. as well. Um, no, I, I discovered mean. something on TikTok that is the multiverse version of Pop Kitchen. Right. Because I was tagged in... We were tagged. I saw it on our TikTok account in uh, this comment in French. And I was like, what is what is this? One of our followers had tagged us. And I, and I clicked on this page. And I kid you not, James, it looked, uh, for all intents and purposes, the French version of us. <laughs> um, not as many followers. I mean, nice. like pittance compared yeah. or... Um, you know, uh, Euro sense. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was I was looking at it and I, it was really surreal because the the, the, the caption was like, uh, "Oh, j'adore le concept de Pascal pour kitchen podcast." And I'm I, I'm not fluent in French, everyone. I'm Wait, just going to do my best. In their description. That, no, that was the comment. Oh, the comment from the, our follower right. had been like, you know, basically saying, "I love this concept, but it's from Pop Kitchen Podcast." Oh. And the video is like, "Qu'est-ce que le mouvre le temps le j'ai le Rienner Sacha Bercoel Bill Marvel. Um, and, and I was just like, oh, that's just, and now I'm just seeing like a French, French version of everything we do. I was always, uh, when people sort of copied our games, I was always like, yeah, we're doing well. Yeah. It's good. good then, but now the big accounts copy them. And I'm like, oh, well, as long views. as people, I do appreciate when people call out and say, oh, we, we saw that. I mean, yeah. not that they're like uh, completely original, but in the like, comments were like, yeah, I saw it on Pop, Pop Kitchen. Kitchen. Yeah, yeah Pop Kitchen yeah. does better. Apologies to any French listeners or any French speaking listeners. That was obviously not intended to be an accurate representation of Le Français. Look, yeah. je, voudrais parler, je voudrais parler avec toi en français, mais mon français est assez mauvais. Je parle avec toi en anglais, s'il vous plaît. Oui. Le flash. Le flash. C'est un du Il laissera Miller. Et Desra Miller. Michel Kitton. Michel, euh, <rire> Michel Carlos, c'est le, le man de Pat. Le man de Rwano. Benjamin Affleck. <rire> Benjamin Affleck, tu sais. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Benjamin Affleck. <rire> oui, et c'est très zoom. C'est très zoom. C'est très. Uh, uh, what is fast in French? Well, it's rapide. Zoom. Rapide, oh, rapide. très rapidement. Très rapide, ah, trop rapide. Bon, 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 bon. No, that's just too far down. <laughs> My father. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode 81, uh, where we've just alienated an entire country. Um, this is Pulp Kitchen. <laughs> Goodbye, French audience. <laughs> Goodbye, French audience. Uh, Abianto, I hope you return. Um, we are recording this two days after we recorded the last episode. Yes, yeah, so we might... A bit of catch up. Third day in a row that I've seen you. No, the... Did I, yeah, third day in a row. Did I see you Sunday? Did I see James, you Sunday? Sometimes, I swear to God, I, I feel like I'm stuck in a some sort of awful time loop. What would I have seen you for on Sunday? I don't know. Maybe personal no, stuff. No, I saw a film Sunday. Thank I saw God. you Monday. We went to The Flash yesterday. Today we record Recording. The Flash episode. And I'm not seeing you tomorrow. No, please. <laughs> free at last! <laughs> please. Free at last! <laughs> Sorry, uh, we do it. It's good. This is good. We come in. You've joined the us on a, done. Yeah, exactly. You've joined us on a warm, it's still warm. balmy, but not hot, hot. It's fine. It's It'll fine. Do. It's a lovely June day. Yeah. And we're inside. 
<laughs> Last night it was a beautiful evening in Soho, yeah. and I was yes. there. everyone was out. It was light leaning, when we came out, doing to the very English thing, leaning outside the pub with yeah. a, a very sort of amber coloured beer as yeah. the sun hit the green tiles of the pub. And Good we, energy in the cinema as well, I thought. Nice yeah, well, that's, I thought, well, we're going to go inside and spend yes. two and a half hours inside at the Cineworld Leicester Square. Oh, careful. IMAX. It sounds like we're going into the review. Yeah, no, we're Maybe. not. We're not. We're not going into the review. We're, we're just saying we went I liked s- the guy who's clearly coming out from work who propped a full laptop on the seat in front of him and just kept going right up until the film started. No trailers for us either going into see The Flash. Yeah, this guy was... This I guy mean, was like still many ways, signing off the, that email. The, the Flash experience we had yesterday was the ideal cinema experience. because For that film, I completely ideal. Well, but also, A, big screen. Yeah. Two, everyone had, everyone had to put their phone away in a, a, in a little sealed bag. bag. So no one's phone was going off, yeah. no one was screen, getting the screen. It was the bag out. that when you return clothes and you have the plastic thing yes. that you have to peel off the strip and then fold it, it was like that. Probably deeply unsustainable. But, yes. Um, and it was um, no trailers. I mean, trailers are great, but like straight, straight, straight in. to it. And um, popcorn on the seats. Yes. Water that didn't fit in the water. They, the water bottles they left. No, fit you put it in, it would just go straight through. Yeah, yeah. You spilled a whole bag I of bought more. a bag of Maltesers and then I literally had one and within 10 <laughs> seconds of the film, they just spilled all over the floor. <laughs> and because you can have your phone, you can look at them. I mean, also like the disgusting cinema yeah. I'm not. I just was like, well, guess I'm chewing gum for the rest of the, <laughs> rest of the movie. Um, but there you go. Well, this this is the movie we're talking about this week, which is The Flash. James, do you have anything else in your life you want to talk about? Should we go straight to it? Is it The Flash or Flash? It's The Flash. The Flash, okay. Flash is Flash Gordon. Yeah. Uh, The the Queen song. Yes. And the character in Spider-Man. The Tony Revolori one. Flash. Yes. uh, Flash. Flash. Anyway, let's get on with our main review of this week, which is The Flash, as discussed. Here comes our review now. Oh, one more thing. Oh, yeah. James, you literally couldn't have chosen <laughs> the, the worst time. Worst time. Go on. Go on. Um, I, last week on Friday, if you haven't checked it out already, did a bonus episode on Batman 1989 ahead of course. Of yeah. So yes. if you have seen Batman 1989 recently or you're just interested to hear how that film stacks up watching it 2023, that's available on the feeds. Go and check that out, guys. But yes, moving on to The Flash. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, as this episode is titled, we're going to be talking about The Flash. We were very lucky to get invited to an early screening, like two days before it released, so we could see it early. We went to the Leicester Square Cineworld IMAX, which was a great screen to see it in. Just to say, we are going to do this review spoiler-free, because I know it's the first week The Flash has been out, so if you haven't seen it yet, you are safe. What we are going to do is, at some point, we will stop and we will record a spoiler-filled discussion on The Flash, which we're going to put out on the Friday. So... Don't worry if yeah. you haven't seen it. This episode is spoiler-free. I think we try to keep most of our main episodes spoiler-free if we yes. can, unless it's like a much older film. So you are in safe hands, and if there is something we're going to spoil, we'll give you suitable warning anyway. But, George, we went to go see a screening. It was a Wednesday night in the busiest part of London, my least favourite part of London. but Leicester Square. Yeah, it's, it's the Times Square of, of, of London. And in the it, summer really? with the busyness, and oh, no, 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 it no. Just, it's just the hectic. And there's and... nothing really good there apart from some good screens, I guess. I mean, the cinemas are, are, are as good as they need to be. Yes, 
for that location. But you know, we, we I, sorry, I very much associate Leicester Square now with the show. Yeah, I know what because you mean. Because I, I keep I, meeting up I've, there to do. Why else would I go to Leicester Square yeah. other than to go to an early screening for the London Film Festival or go to the Newport Beach Film Festival thing yeah. in the Londoner or to Amsterdam premiere, Top Gun, all sorts of premiere. Yeah, it's become a little like little uh, midweek dweller for us. It has, yeah. Anyway, as we said last week, we were talking about how the DC a few years ago announced that James Gunn was going to come and basically take they over the creative That direction. was announced like six months ago. Six months ago. Sorry, but James I just say it is important because we've had Thank many you. years. So like Thank you. Recently, recently, James I Gunn was like announced Christmas time. after some very lukewarm receptions to a lot of their films and yeah. let's be honest, a slightly uh, rushed and what has felt slightly misdirected uh, ten direction. Years. A 10-year ten, oh, ten 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 period, you can say, this sort of DCEU, the, d- 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 oh, the DC extended universe. Yeah. You sometimes call it the Snyderverse because it was kind of Zack Snyder kind of yeah. running it through with uh, Man of Steel mm. and uh, Batman v Superman, obviously Justice League. But a 10-year period of very patchy, confused... Thematically inconsistent. inconsistent. Um, uh, misjudged and ultimately just frustrating uh, collection of films. And I know some some fans have real soft spots for some moments in the films. Yes. I know like Batman v Superman, the ultimate edition has like a real strong fan base. And I feel like a lot of goodwill with the hardcore was restored with the Snyder Cut, right, which yeah. was an improvement, which I think in four hours and 15 minutes, if you can't improve on that film, well, that I, was, I would have been surprised if you couldn't uh, improve on that. Yeah, that was my always thing with the Justice League, the, the, the Snyder Cut, because I was like, well, sure, if you give anyone four and a half hours yeah, to, to tell you, a story. But to, like, oh, so they did justice to all the characters. Yeah, yeah I should hope they so. got fucking time to do so. Yeah. They had a limited series. That's I watched that in lockdown. I was like, this is just not a movie. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, but from this, you know, new direction, we still, it's very obvious, next to Matt Reeves' Batman, some Suicide Squad films, and Joker. Uh, Joker, which is getting a sequel. We have these, like, last dregs of sort of Justice League spin-off films. Yeah. Flash has not had his own film yet, and this is the first one. We've got Aquaman 2 and Blue Beetle still to come. Apparently, Blue Beetle is being counted as the next phase. But James oh, Gunn instead it? accounts as the next phase of, even though it predates, it, yeah, predates him. It, it actually he, does in the trailer for Blue Beetle. Does it reference like Cavill Superman no. and Affleck's Batman? No, that I believe. Yeah, no, I don't know. Because on uh, on a lot of ways, I, th- I really thought that like Cavill was done, Ben Affleck was done, and Gal Gadot was maybe done. But yeah. like Ben Affleck in this movie. Uh, from the trailer. Yeah. But anyway, here we have Flash set in an unknown time from the I, events of Justice League. I guess it wasn't like present day, but I guess like the and the Justice League is still a thing. It's still a thing and they're very much sort of in contact and Flash is sort of doing a very classic superhero thing where he's sort of failing to balance his work life and the Barry Allen life and struggling to keep up with The Flash. And he gets a call from Alfred Pennyworth saying, hey, listen. Jeremy Irons returning. Jeremy Irons. Oh, I like his Alfred. Coming back in saying, listen, I need you. I've got a situation going on in... um, in Gotham, Gotham, when he's in Metropolis, like no, no, he's in Central City. Oh, he's in Central so, City. Right. Superman's in Metropolis. <laughs> he's in Central, and uh, Batman's in Gotham. Gotham, and he says, "Look, I've got this situation. I need you." And he's like, "Where's Henry Cavill? Well, where's, <laughs> where, <laughs> where's Superman?" And he's like, "Superman's occupied." It just cuts to like some CCTV and him lasering something really important. Yeah. Uh, where's Batman? Oh, he's slightly occupied. What about Wonder Woman? Off planet. Yeah. Aquaman, not to be said. Like really, just like who yeah. we got on contract? I need you to come and help me. We get this opening scene, which I think was fairly effective at telling a potentially uninformed audience 
which Batman is it? Yeah. What universe are we yeah. in? Oh yeah, it's that one with those person. Yeah. And yes, I do remember the flash from that poster yeah. of that film. And in this opening action sequence, um, Flash is using his power to run incredibly fast to stop motion and, and fix things before they turn completely wrong. And he manages to actually very briefly rewind to a very, to like a very short amount of time. Yeah. And he gets this really weird sense of, oh, I was able to actually put time back a bit. If I could bring time back by like an hour, mm. surely if I was to extend that, I could bring time back years, years, decades. Because overhanging him. Because overhanging him and pretty much every superhero, it's a personal tragedy, which was the death of his mother and the fact that his father is currently being accused of murdering his mother. And it's served, no, it's served time. He's, been, uh, he's served time, been in jail since, you know, and which, which was something that's referenced in Justice League. and Played by a different actor, B Billy Crudup replaced with Ron Livingston. Yes. Which I can only assume because Billy Crudup won an Emmy in the time between <laughs> was probably much more expensive. And they're like, we're not paying that for Barry <laughs> Allen's dad. Yeah. Get Ron Livingston. And he's currently in a trial where he lacks sufficient evidence from the, from the day that it went back. And there's due to something that happened, a very specific decision when he was a kid to do with his mother at the time on that day, yeah, causing that his mother ended and up he believes, being killed. Yeah, and he believes that if he, if he was able, able to, to go fix back, that tiny yeah, little thing, he, classic he could go butterfly back. Effects, Real butterfly yeah. effect. If you've seen one time travel movie, you know what this yeah. is going to deal with. And who does he go to to ask, this is a good idea, but Bruce Wayne, yeah. Batman. And he speaks to him and goes, hey, listen, this is what I think I could do. And Batman says, look, even if there is a chance you could do that, it'd be incredibly irresponsible for you to... Ben Affleck's Batman. He says, you'd be incredibly irresponsible to do that. And he's, you know, I think Ezra says, look, would you not, you know do that if you could and he says well you know what happened has made me and i would never change yeah. it and it's part of what makes us who we are but of course we have to have, we have to have a film and he's running back through moments in his life mm. and he finds himself after lots of different things being stuck in a older version of himself he creates a new gap in the space-time continuum and finds himself with a younger version of the flash who does not yet that i saw a lot of people comparing the the plot outline to no way home and the fact yeah. that we are now many multiverse films into this multiverse yes. thing and now it's dc's turn to do their multiverse we are here but um that's like sort of a rough thing about the plot i would try and avoid as much uh, trying to hear too much about the plot if you can yeah. if you are interested in i mean it. this this is coming out obviously about a week after it's been released yeah you might have already seen things online at this point, which is a shame, but James and I were lucky that we obviously were seeing the pre-release and there are moments in this film that we were so happy that we didn't know yeah. were going to happen. And they're not the moments that you've seen in the trailer. No, we no, had no, no. seen the trailer. Thankfully, These there's are... actually a considerable amount not revealed in the trailer. Because we'll get onto this later, later. Actually, I actually said to you, I, I imagine how much more special it would be if those moments that were revealed in the trailer weren't revealed in the yes. trailer. I don't know how you sell this movie without revealing those moments in the yes. trailer. Yeah. But there we were. But George, just coming out of that film, which was... A fairly late, it was what, 2.40, 2.35? Yeah. How did you get on with The Flash? So it's really interesting because you were just doing the recap of like the past 10 years. And I, I agree, I approached this film really with a really low interest. Yeah, uh, other than just a person who likes to watch films, okay? I I have very little, I, I, I've kind of was done with the DC. I had no real interest in that. I just see it as a bit of a mess. I liked Man of, I find Man of Steel kind of interesting, and I, I think I think Man of Steel is the best DCEU film. Yeah, and then, not counting Joker and, and uh, yeah, Reeves. not counting Joker and the Batman, yeah. and I guess maybe the Suicide Squad was possibly yeah. fun enough. Um, so I was and you really, probably wouldn't have seen it without the screening opening weekend. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And um, you know, Ezra Miller is the Flash. You know, the Flash. Ezra Miller has played the Flash for like 
seven years now and yeah. that we we haven't had a movie of of that character yet and i just thought are we still doing this and because we know the james gunn news right yeah. it, it's the same reason why i didn't want to see shazam fury of the gods yeah. it's like we know the reset is coming are we why still doing I this? Why should I get emotionally why invested? Should why and, should and, I care? And I was, I was quite cynical going in and I thought, bringing, this isn't a spoiler because it is in the trailer. It's been heavily trailed. The whole bringing Michael Keaton back as Batman. I feel like that felt like a quite a cynical move. Like, what else can we do? Oh, what else? What bit of nostalgia can we dust yeah. off? Um, and uh, just covering this superhero, The Flash, in other iconography of Batman and, 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 and Supergirl in this case. However, mm. what I was completely surprised to find is that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it and had a great time. What a great time. What a great time we had. And we we had a great time. time. <laughs> we really did. And the whole audience did. The whole, uh, we said this just like before. Yeah. We saw it in the best possible yes. scenario of an enthused audience, like at a decent time of day on a very big screen, all invited, all there yes. free. There's no like no, no, no. Uh, financial, like, you know, pay Incentive in. to let like, you say, yeah. And, just pure just pure fun everyone was really focused and what I, I think everyone experienced is there was not like a break in the film there was we both no. said at the end that didn't feel the runtime at all not at all went it, by in a the irony yeah literally the irony is that of course for a film about someone who runs super fast this yeah. film moves at a pace yeah what one of the first things i think that works really well about it is that despite uh, moving at such a pace, it never felt breathless no. or out of control. I think like it's, a Lego movie. It, exactly. It felt very early on so clear that they had a clear handle on what they wanted to do with this film, yep. which is so hard because there's so many disparate elements. I, who, when, who can we get? Like, you know, we start with uh, a scene with Batman and right. we get some other characters that we've known jumping in there. And I'm like, how how well do you know who's actually going to be exactly. able to like be a part of this and do a scene and contribute to that story? When, when it began, and there's, you know, it's a really good opening 25 minutes, the sort of action scene and, uh, and, and the chase and the spectacle. And I remember thinking, this film has a lot to do. Mm. This film has a lot of things. It's got to establish the character of the flash as an independent solo uh, lead character like a lead protagonist conflict introduce something it's got to re-establish where we are with the other dceu characters yep. it's got to make you care and it's also got to be functional as a story and i thought oh god it's, re it's really got its work cut out for it yep. this film and i think the film really met that challenge like i said the, the pacing and that the handling of, and it, of what it wanted to do for a film that from the outside as we were just saying looks very messy yeah. If you see the trailer, uh, which does show too much, or you try and describe it, you're thinking, there's a bit of Batman here, there's this and that, he's got a this, he's got to run back, but there's two of him. Guys, it's like, it, 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 you can't describe how, when you actually watch it, it just sort of all makes sense. Yeah, yeah It's weird. It, there's, a, there's a spaghetti metaphor in the, at the center of this film. Yes. Which, which explains its own rules of time travel. Which makes sense completely. And that is like the film in itself. It's like, you know what? I wouldn't have explained it like that, but you have explained it perfectly. It shouldn't work, but it does. Like all modern time travel films, it loves to throw Back, back to the Future under the bus. <laughs> like, turns a, out Back to the Future is a There's a really good... Did you get that Back to the Future joke when it first happened? What joke? That the, we should talk about this. I, I want to say, because I would count that as a spoiler. I think one thing that really helps the film... And I realized this early on, I was like, oh, this is what's making it work, is that unlike characters like Batman and Superman, The Flash is not burdened with no. a 70 years of being the most iconic superhero we've ever had, yeah. with um, so many previous iterations. I don't know The Flash's origin story. No, neither. And I realized that- like, given... what comic book strand are they going to do exactly. in this film? That, no, it that. really enabled the, 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 the portrayal of this character, Barry Allen, to really- 
fly and 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 work really well. And um, I was I was really surprised. I, I think I think that kind of li- that kind of blank canvas element to it, that sort of breathing space, does the film a huge amount of favor. I think The Flash is the best DCEU film since Man of Steel. I always think it's... I think it'd be a bit weird to compare it to Man of Steel because tonally they're so different. But obviously there is... We haven't even mentioned the... Well, which, isn't that funny that the best DCEU films are the first one and And now the last last one. And the middle's a bit of a a mess. I think the opening scene, which you described, I think it does a really good job of getting you on this side of this film. Yes. It has some really great visual laughs yes like what is uh it's like uh, when you start a spider-man movie what is like the typical hero the flash hero problem yeah. where like here's a really big clownish situation here's like the, the biggest comedy of errors that he'd have to solve yeah and how how does the flash with his set of powers uniquely solve a problem yes and they were so inventive and so visually funny yes. with it i feel like it's funny in, in every language yes. that that moment and i just thought it was brilliant the, the, uh, the opening with batman was just brilliant and it makes me long yeah. that ben affleck they just long for a ben affleck movie mm. that he never got and i just got oh, ben affleck is so cool as mm. batman even in the broad daylight which is a lot of people it's, have problems with you shouldn't put batman in daylight it works it is i think that might be the best ben affleck batman moment, see, moment it, we've it, had closely rival in bvs when he does the sort of like the raid style you know when he has the oh men, yeah, yeah you're that right, was yeah. another one that was really good and you know you've got the sort of good reasons as why Ezra, uh, what, good reason as to why barry allen is on his own for this he doesn't have the justice league you do kind of have to explain that and then I think what's interesting is you and I had this conversation briefly before we went in. You were like, do we like um, Ezra Miller as Barry Allen? Do we find him annoying? Yeah. And I think I sort of said maybe a little bit, yeah. but he's actually provided a lot of comic relief in those very intense well, Barry films. Allen probably, yeah, and yeah. I think what's really interesting is we get we get two versions of Barry Allen in this film. And I think what they clearly wet, realized is that we can't have this quippy comic relief character piloting this Mm. we need to actually break off Mm. we still want to have that in the younger version Mm. of barry allen but actually this more uh focused version of barry allen has to take Mm. the plot forward and that's what happens you end up with both versions and it acts quite a nice comedic foil to each other i actually think barry allen has quite good chemistry with barry allen and i was very impressed with the having two people on screen the same actor on screen at once and it it worked i was never really distracted by it yeah i i I think that's it reminds me of two things first of all i think the comic tone and that the sense of the humor the sense of humor of this film is handled really well yeah it it is funny it is genuinely funny and not annoying marvel style quips or really tired there were it was there were several jokes there were physical comic jokes there were visual jokes to rewatch it for the jokes specifically i want to experience those jokes again and and probably with someone else and they never felt too crowbarred in you know some of them were really well timed and uh i thought that that was the thing that obviously helps charm you into the film but also, we, we, we have to talk about Ezra Miller because obviously there's a whole conversation outside of this film about Ezra Miller's role within this film. And you can read outside of this review online all about the, the controversies that have surrounded Ezra Miller in the past few years. And, you know, we're not here to talk about that because we're just still talking about the film. As well, it's- and it's still evolving. But the thing is, I would like, as we're talking about the film, objectively talking about the film, the things that are in it, I would like to talk about Ezra Miller's performance because um, looking at the film and their role within it, Ezra Miller is really good in this. He it really, really good. carries the film entirely. So well. It's two, it two personalities. Two lead 
performances, they have to be like the third chapter of a superhero story yes. in the experience done or before, and also tell the origin story in That's this right. film. And it works so well to have the older version telling yeah. the younger version how you're meant to do it. And it's like quite funny about, no, no, you weren't meant to mm. do it like that. You need to do it like this. But and, he, could you, the, and, they, and they just carry it so well. I think yeah, their performance is just... Uh, it's. It, I, I was watching it thinking, there's so many things to delight in here. Physical, yeah. comedic timing. Little twi- twitches of the face. So many details going on in, in their face that I just. Yeah, it was. It was a real. It was a real marvel to watch. No pun intended. And I. Uh, I think you're right. Doing two performances out of that, and it, it's having good chemistry with. It carries with the film. Themselves. It is. Yeah. It, it, it is the linchpin of the film. Yeah. And uh, it is. It. it, it, it is something to, to be seen. I also, um, oh, sorry, go on. No, no. I, I, I thought I was immediately impressed with its, uh, the way in which it shoots the ultra speed and like the way the camera went mm. warped and thing and flying through. And yes. it, it's something that could really easily feel, uh, I don't know, cartoony and mushy. Yeah. And, and we'll get onto moments later, yeah. which we thought, I think the visual effects maybe slightly let themselves down. But all in all, I found the, the speed invigorating yes. and fun. And on the big screen, it was yeah. and distorted and pow and lightning. And it was everything you wanted it to be to show speed. And I thought they did a good job of like showing you how fast the flash can go. Yeah, you immediately believed and understood uh, Barry Allen's power and the rules the of like if you go too fast without your suit you're yeah. gonna have friction and heat and all sorts that's it and I felt that that way you can really invest in it because then you can invest in the the um, challenges and the, the the threats that that person has as a, a superior with their power that's probably the, the first film in a while that's been two hours and 40 minutes where I've really not felt the wrong yes. time yeah. a lot of films especially in this year that we've talked about on the podcast that have been that long I've commented on it being a problem yeah. like I'm actually quite bored of myself commenting on run yeah. time but, but this, with this really barrels say, along it absolutely completely it, it clearly like i said at the you know just previously about how, how it has to do so many things mm. it doesn't waste its time no. it really is like we have so much to do yeah that we need to rush well no it's not rushed we need to move at a Keep pace it going yeah um let's talk about the the cgi a second because there's there's almost two strands of cgi in this film yeah there's the exterior um Typical um, enhancement, enhance, or, or you see, you know, there's, for example, a big battle scene which with Zod, right, in the in the broad daylight, okay, yeah, all that kind of stuff that involves CGI, but that I never spaceships that looks suits. like contemporary modern day CGI. Yeah. In the Tesseract running, uh, going back Christmas in time, ball of your yeah, life. A, a Olympian uh, Colosseum effect of when Barry Allen is, is going back in time and you have this presentation of, of all the events that he has and seen. And characters are sort of coming closer and further yes. away in their punching or moving or receiving you, it, things. You realise very quickly that this is being presented in almost total CGI and it... Okay, on the face of it, it's like it is some of the worst CGI you've seen in like 20 years. It reminded me of... The Mummy Returns, when the, the Rock comes out as the Scorpion King. Was, Do you remember? Was, yeah, I, I said PS2 cutscene, yeah, like, like a Resident Evil game. And I think that the reason is is that they're in this sort of floaty plasma. Yeah. So you know, like when you when you try and look at something through the heat of a candle, everything's a little bit wiggly. Yeah. So there's that element of it, and you're just seeing like I've just been looking at the actual Michael Shannon's face. Yes. And now I'm looking at this like very sort of pussy, podgy yeah. version. I'm like, that looks terrible. But I actually, despite yeah. me praising the opening scene, I noticed very early on when. Batman was riding the scooter. There were a couple of moments I was like, that's not Batman. Yes. That's, that's a rubbery Play-Doh version yes. of Batman that's riding so through. The, the stuff that's happening like in the 
broad daylight world is like, okay, odd, but maybe you yeah. can just suspend your disbelief. But with the stuff that's happening in the sort of orb world, the timeless space, yeah. I, I thought that CGI is so outdated that I thought it has to be an artistic decision. Yeah. I thought that has to be deliberately done to be so grotesque and sort of carnivalesque, which it is. It's kind of yes. people getting up very big and it's un- it's not even Uncanny Valley because it just doesn't look real at all. But it's, I, I thought this must have been a deliberate artistic decision to, to present it with such rubbery CGI. It fails because you and I immediately think CG, bad CG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, it's the failure of the, of the effect there, um, for, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and it's an effect that's relied on repeatedly. Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that's a slight distraction. Um, I think, so this isn't a spoiler because this is heavily trailed. We, yeah. Michael Keaton is in this film as Batman. Yeah. But I, I don't think they ever intended to hide that. I think that wasn't, no. I think they absolutely intended to reveal that in the trailer. That's a huge selling point, Michael Keaton. And he's in half of the he's, movie. He's a third, he's third billing. You're not, it's never going to be a hidden thing. Um, they probably, sh- as, as we just talked about when we did the, the 1989 Batman discussion, it's probably that they had to show, ended up showing more of Batman in the trailer than they would have liked to have done previously to counterbalance all the Ezra Miller content they were taking out of the trailer. Um, And similarly, they played up more of the the Supergirl involvement. But uh, Michael Keaton is in this. And I think it's, Michael Keaton is always great to look at. He's great on screen. The, The introduction of his Bruce Wayne, Michael Keaton does... It's just having doing visual ticks and mm. playing with scenery and props and stuff and adding so much more spice and flavor to that scene and that character. You really felt like he was just else. getting a chance to completely rediscover yeah. it and redo it. Over and again. he was like, "Oh, great! This is great fun." And um, I don't know if if the it's a a triumphant return for Michael Keaton's Batman. I think it's a welcome return. There was a point where I was like, it could really be anyone actually. It doesn't, I'm not getting the sense of, oh, I'm, I'm getting that waft of 1989 Batman. You you could have actually had a, another actor who had never played Batman and told me that they used to be Batman. Make, make no mistake, it's not his film. Oh, no, no, no. It's no, like, no. like yeah. he, he's there throughout and he's like a sort of uh, proxy guardian angel, yeah. an advisor, a, a, a tool, like a useful tool as part and of the team. And also a substitute father figure because substitute Barry's father. He has this sort of like, relationship with Ben Affleck's Batman. Um, but like what, what he is there to do and what this film does a lot of is be a really incredible, frequent, fan service yes. like almost everything michael keaton does is saying the line that he said yes. like e- even the way that like certain computers and switches the way yeah. they were done and reveals and the exact because i just watched it like it's the exact same camera angles yeah. and they know exactly what they're going for and you realize that's what that that's what he's there to do and yeah michael keaton's just just so good in it yeah as ever um i think whilst we're also just pulling out stuff that doesn't quite work this is also in the trailer i don't think it's a spoiler the there's not really an antagonist. I think the film is actually quite interesting because it doesn't really have an antagonist as such in itself, yeah. in the sense that like Barry Allen's struggle with himself and trying to get back time is the antagonist. Yeah. But the physical manifestation of the antagonist is Zod. Yeah. General Zod, Michael Shannon returning from Man of Steel from 10 sort years ago. Sort of represents ago. like a conjuncture in time. Yeah. Something has to be, you have to address something to do with if him you, to yes. move forward. If you are going into this film thinking, oh, they've brought Zod back, he was such an interesting character in Man of Steel. I can't wait to see what they do with it. Mm, you no. need to let that go. It's a lot of it his is, lines like, we have to terraform the world. It is one-dimensional yeah. PlayStation 2 villain Ooh, yeah. dialogue yeah. that is complete, almost so far removed from what Michael Shannon is doing in the previous film. It it's is rehashing his, his intentions, what he wanted to do. Yes. Like, I need to terraform the planet. 
you are the answer. It's, it's the AI version of Zod, yeah. you know, with basically no, no, nothing behind the eyes. And the Zod threat kind of is introduced fairly early on, but then hangs just in the background until it's needed. Yeah. And then when they finally engage with it, you kind of, uh, you kind of got stuff and. Yeah, it's 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 like you said the the one dimensional dialogue of I'm here to terraform this planet and uh, it's a thankless role yeah. and Michael Shannon understandably plays it with l- as little care as possible yeah. because he's just so uninterested. He probably and looked at all the lines and went, "Well, I really only have this job in this movie. I will deliver it like this because yeah. there's nothing really for me to do here." I, I would say maybe a week's filming. Yeah, maybe two, two weeks with a bit of choreography. Just waiting around. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> pickups. But uh, that's that. That's the thing. But 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 bringing it back sort of home. I think I think what we were just continually surprised by is that it it shouldn't work. No, this film should not work on paper. It really it, doesn't. On paper, it doesn't work. When you look at some of it, it, it shouldn't work. But undeniably, through a mixture of really good direction, good good. Um, uh, comic tone a really great central performance mm. performances it actually it's really charming and really fun in, in in this review where we've brought up we talked about lots we talked about so many different things being part of this story and i sort of mentioned the first half being a bit cleaner than the second and you know you've got the introduction of michael keaton's batman coming yeah. back the, the re-emerging threat of Zod, who we already know, who's back, but not really. Yeah. You've got Supergirl, who's yeah. also on the poster, being introduced in this thing. And it's 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 also a time travel multiverse film. Yes. And I can't help but think that the film is almost like a weighing scale and we kept loading and loading and loading more onto the second half. Yes. And I just feel like it was it works. It's ever so slightly on the verge of just collapsing yes, in on itself I under see. its own weight. You've got this uh, side story with uh, Supergirl, Superwoman, which to me is like just a little bit half-baked. I cannot criticize them for like, you know, keeping it short because I think it needed to be short yeah. to have this film go. But I think the character- And while- concluding that- storyline the way they do line. which we'll talk about in the spoiler review oh yeah, yeah we'll say that's a spoiler review like, i thought it was it was an interesting idea to include that character but i also feel like the character lacked a real sort of lacked the energy that the other characters had and mm. i feel like they slightly sucked the energy out of the film mm. when they were on screen i mean this is a nitpick and then when the film does go like a lot of the, the latest DC films do. It's a big final sequence with one of your main characters screaming while lots of bolts go in and out yeah. of them, which has happened in basically every DCEU film. And both visually and conceptually, the film gets really heavy and yeah. messy. And it's, it's just when I think these multiverse films, man, yeah. they just try and tackle so much. Yeah. Whereas in the beginning, it was just cleaner time travel. That's the only time I'm like, you're just trying yeah. to, you've just got too much gravity for your own good yeah i i see what you mean i think and wrap up you know w- 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 the inclusion of michael keaton wrap up everything that everything that barry allen's been doing i think but what but what does save it is that the laughs and the references and the things that yes. completely take you by surprise never stop coming. exactly there are surprises in this film which we're not going to talk about now we've never have called and i don't think it's i mean tell me if this is too much to say but the the this film you know it has its thing and it has its climax then it has its epilogue and the punch it ends with was so, so brilliant. Good. We that, were like that, hitting that each that other. We, <laughs> we and the like... entire audience was clapping yeah. and laughing and I, screaming. I, didn't even, I find this a very American thing. I clapped twice in the yeah. film because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I was really on its side. And I couldn't believe yeah. some things that we, we thought, well, they'll never do that. And they did it. Yeah. And one thing which wasn't even on my mind, the thing they could I, do that they did. It's very easy to be cynical about fan service. But, and as someone who's not, you know, I have no investment in the comics. Yeah. So I don't bring a heavy amount of 
you know, fan cachet with me. But I do think this was the most effective fan service since Endgame, probably yeah. in terms of how it made me react. I'd say I the, the three, no way home three Spider Man's chatting was, no was for huge. You. But yeah. but for me, okay, yes, I agree. That aside, yeah. like not since Endgame have I been like, ah, I can't believe ah. they've done this. Yeah, yeah, and we won't say any more. No, because and don't look online, try and avoid it. Yeah, but we will talk about the latter half of this film in yeah, our spoiler discussion. discussion, which will be out later this but week. But to bring it home, I'd say overall. On paper, this does not appeal no, to us. It work. If you had described this plot in detail, I'd have gone, no, thank you. I'd very happily yeah. wait if I didn't have to see it for the podcast. But in execution, it does the best job yeah. it possibly can with the tools it has. And I think it's really worth seeing if you're interested. Put it this way I have a friend who I talk about film with, and he enjoys kicking a big blockbuster, right? Yeah. So when we saw Ant Man Quantumania, we were texting each other, being like, oh my yeah. God, I know. And when I saw Fast X, I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> and I texted him this morning, I said, so I saw the flash last night. And he was like, "Oh yeah," and I said, "It was um, it was kind of good. Yeah, like I, great. I really enjoyed it. I, yeah. I, I had lots of fun." Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, "I don't believe it." No, he said, I "Every know. trailer I've seen looks like dog shit." Yeah. <laughs> and I it said, does. It kind of did. It does. And it's based on like what you know from DC. I'm like, I know this can't be good. I know. But despite all the odds, it is the plucky underdog of a film, which despite yeah. all the odds, despite everything against it, it's actually a bloody good bit of fun. And it's like, yeah, the, the DC universe is moving on, but isn't it nice that like there is a film out there that I, I would happily rewatch it. Yes, I'd really happy yeah. sit down and rewatch yeah. it in a year and have a really fun time. And considering with it. we went in with the lowest expectations and the yeah. lowest engagement, it completely over, you know, won us over. So there you go, guys. That is our spoiler-free impression of The Flash. I'd love to hear, because I have seen online really mixed reviews. I think a lot of mainstream outlets have given it really poor yeah. reviews, but then like loads of people are actually really enjoying it. It's got quite a high Rotten Tomatoes score if we want to run by that. So. I, would, I will say that it is the kind of film that if you are mainstream, legacy-established media, uh, only half paying attention to this kind of world, it's a headache. I think, yes. I, I think, I think, yeah. you know, yeah, like I said, we didn't go in with a lot of baggage and, and, and are only half involved, but, like, oh, but I know Robert Pattinson's not in this one. Like, yeah, I, I, exactly. I wasn't trying to figure exactly. out as I go. If you're a casual viewer walking into this and, and don't really go in with a basic level of understanding of like, okay, knowing that Ezra Miller was in the bit previous history as well. a little bit of the last five to 10 years, you, this is a nightmare for you. Yeah. I'm glad I watched 1989 right before this. I made a comment mm. in on the, bonus episode but I was like I worry about them integrating Keaton Tim Burton's world into this but mm. that never really felt like a problem at all it was perfectly blended in anyway catch our bonus discussion bonus spoiler discussion later this week and if you have any thoughts about The Flash if you've seen it if you agree with us if you disagree with us mm. we'd love to hear your thoughts please email them into hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com yeah, I had um, more fun in that cinema screen. I'm trying to think of the most fun I've had this year. I, I think it's I as really fun enjoyed as Guard. Top Gun Maverick was as a, as a cinema Ooh, experience. Oh, no. It was close. I, I think close Top Gun Maverick is a better film. I think Tom, I agree with you, Top Gun Maverick is better. But in terms of like, when was the last time I had that much fun at the cinema on that, in that sphere? Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I re enjoyed Guardians 3 more than you. I really yeah, enjoyed you that. Yeah. I had a really nice yeah, time. I liked I, it too. That made me feel like, ah, oh, I really enjoyed that. But I know what yeah. you mean, this kind of, it's a proper, it's a movie movie. Yeah. It's a proper, it's a popcorn. It's not to do the Harry Styles talking about Don't Worry Darling. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a, a real movie. movie. Like, you watch it and it's like, that's a, a movie. movie. Yeah, thanks Harry. Um, <laughs> I, I know what you mean about the Top Gun reference, but it is that kind of, come in, sit down, mm. we're going to play, we're just going to have a lot of fun. 
and then you leave. And if you forget about it, don't worry about it. It reminds me of how much the, I know like superhero films are, are the result of this. We can, we, if you want to make the argument that the cinema is dying, but it's also proof that cinema is adapting to there being fewer films being able to show on the big screen. And yeah. they're going, hang on, we are the thing that's on the big screen. Let's give that big screen its performance. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, it's Let's go for due, it. We know due, what we are. Let's service. be the best version of that. And that's what it is. Okay, what happens now, as ever, guys, is we're going to read your emails. As you know, every week we read your correspondence that you've sent into the show. And I'm going to begin this week with an email from Damien, who writes in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and says, Hey, guys, big fan of the podcast. And can I say, I am now a long-time listener. Of course, originally found you from TikTok way back when the podcast had single-digit episodes. Nice. That is long-time territory there, Damien. Thank you for your service. After watching Guardians 3 and absolutely loving it, I felt like it was the perfect ending for that group of characters. Oh, it was the perfect ending for that group of characters. It got me thinking about how James Gunn loves to work with the actors he's worked with before, like Nathan Fillion and Michael Rooker. I just found out that Michael Rooker has been in every film he has ever made. And casting Chuck Woody Uji as the high evolutionary after previously casting him in Peacemaker. What would you say your favorite director-actor combination is? Keep Mm. up the good work with the pod. Fairly sure we've had this question before We've, sorry i don't There's know what sort of... I, I, every week there is a sound that is just so miscellaneous and it only, only these sounds only come up in the podcast you're just going to have a look is it a carnival it's kind of sounds like a star wars cantina band i hope you can hear this at home i'll keep talking so it's not dead air but yeah any any visual on that george uh, there's no visual, but it, it, the, I wish I could... Sh- I might Shazam it. <laughs> okay, George is going back. He's getting his phone out. He's sticking his phone out the window. I hope this is interesting for people watching, but I cannot... There's always a different it's sound. Gone. It's gone. Okay, it's back. We're back it, to the email. It, it was some sort of jazz fusion being played at full volume from a probably obnoxious car driver. Yeah, it, it sounded like music that Jabba the Hutt would have on yeah. his like, portable oh, rig oh, when he goes oh, to the Sarlacc pit. Like, oh, it's a party, yeah. but like, someone's going to die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like RCD2s holding drinks, yeah. but like we're also gonna throw someone out into the pit for life. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not in the remote. I know, one, I yeah. know, but actually the one. I think that's what you're thinking of for that music because yes. I think the one on the Sarlacc pit is a bit more high, high funk. It's like. Yeah. Anyway, and then like they can, they send someone down to the rancor, and then the music just plays, and everyone just starts yeah. hobbling again. Yeah. Sorry, James. Favorite <laughs> actor director combination. We've actually we've had this before, but off the top of your head, James. I think the answer, if I was to be very definitive and say the all-time great, is Scorsese De Niro. Yes. And in that you've got Mean Streets, yes. Taxi Driver, New York, New York, Raging Bull, King of Comedy, Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Casino, The Irishman, Killers of the Flower Moon. What about Scorsese DiCaprio? Also very good. Gangs of New York. The Aviator, The Departed, Shutter Island, Wolf of Wall Street, Killers of the Flower Moon. I know that's not out yet. But what like, about Spielberg, Tom Hanks? Also on my list, Saving Private Ryan, Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal, Bridge of Spies, The Post. That's a good crop. And then another great one, Tarantino, Samuel Jackson. Oh, uh, yes. You've got Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill Volume 2, Inglorious Bastards, Django, The Hateful Eight. Uh, yeah. He's like, not in... He doesn't get in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, does he? No, right. he's, he's not. He's not even in that at all. I wonder, even, do you think he's because he has a voice of something? He's not. I'm sure he's in there. I'm sure he's in there as... I, th- I feel like it was like the Mike, like the Michael Caine, Christopher Nolan thing. Yeah, he's like in, he's a little bit in everyone. In Tenet, he serves very little function yeah. apart from being old and English. And being called Sir Michael. Another one worth mentioning is Hitchcock and James Stewart. 
mm. who uh, they do. I think they did four, three or four together. Yeah, so we're talking Vertigo, Vertigo Rear, Rear Window. I don't have them on my list, but I know that's like a famous one. Rope. And is he, unstr- is he in Strangers sort on a Train? Sort of past our era, but at the time they were sort of back and forth thing. But yeah, those are the ones that come to, if you were to say what are the greatest, mm. and I think like Leo and uh, Scorsese just sort of keep going. Um, oh, uh, I, I, no, I, speaking of Nolan, he, he has his crew. He likes Killian Murphy. Likes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nolan's crew, you saying? Yeah, Nolan's likes crew. Kenny Murphy. He Anne likes Hathaway, technically. Christian Tom, Bale. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy likes... Um, uh, how many times has he worked with Marion Cotillard? Marion Cotillard, he's worked with twice. Yeah. Um, obviously, Christian Bale, as you said. But he does keep it. He does sort of... He has his people and he goes, I liked this. Let's do... Kenneth Branagh. Branagh's in... Uh, he yeah, is in the trailer for um, Oppenheimer doing the dodgy accent again. Is he? It's not dodgy. It's just that, like, it's Kevin, Kenneth Branagh doing accent, saying, yeah. you do not know what you have unleashed. And I'm thinking... Just, Kenneth, just, just be not, English, yeah, just man. Be English. Or hire a Russian to... You've got Matt Damon returning in Oppenheimer after spoilers being an interstellar. Yes, that's right, yeah. yeah. Do you hear your children? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you hear them? That you said yeah. that though with the sort of quiver, the vibrato in your voice yeah. of Marion Cotillard in Inception. Yeah. Damn, darn, yeah. Do you hear that? Anyway, that's our answer to that question <laughs> for you very much there. Damien, thank you for your thank email. Thank you, Damien. Straight in with Mia, who also writes into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. He says, hi, lads. Hey. Fairly new to the pod and absolutely loving it. Yes. I've always loved films and TV shows, but fell into a bit of a constant rewatching rut. And you guys have taken me out of that. That is a thing. I really, a couple of people have said that. Yes. A couple of listeners have written in and said that. And that means the absolute world to us. Yeah, you can That is why just, we do it, really. It's just the safe thing. I don't, want, I don't want to try anything new. Like, you, you can get that with restaurants, I think. You can fall into this inertia, mm. this sort of blue pill existence. Two films I watched for the first time recently were Deja Vu and Moon. We talked about Moon last week very briefly. Uh, I did not get to enjoy Deja Vu as much as I did. I thought it was the perfect mix of interesting and different enough to hold my attention while being cheesy and simple enough to follow and fully engage in. Not the best in the world, but so much fun. Deja Vu. That is a Tony Scott film from 2009 with Denzel Washington. Yes, Denzel Washington. Once at a sleepover when I was about the same age. I'm pretty uh, sure I've 15. seen this, but I have no memory of it. A giant ferry blows up at the beginning, and I want to say Boston or Chicago. Yes, 2008, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer's in it. Apparently. No, 2002, no, 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 it's later. 06, I said 06. With, oh, right, with, with Denzel. Val Kilmer. Denzel, yeah. Val Kilmer, Paul uh, Patton. Uh, Jonathan Rhys-Meyers. Elle he? Fanning. And Bruce Adam Greenwood. Goldberg. Yeah. It's like, it like a real DVD bargain bin film. Yeah. And it's the one where- <laughs> Oh like, yeah, it's just the cover. I just looked at the cover. I was like, I have this on DVD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. the one where it's like, it's like sub minority report knockoff where <laughs> yeah. it's like they can rewind time to solve a crime or something. As for Moon, a very human and simplistic take. Hey, sorry, what, oh, sorry. Do you have anything else to say about Deja Vu other than that? Me? Yeah. No. Okay. I literally, like, I remember it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, As for Moon, a very human and simplistic take on the sci-fi genre. And I think many actors could have played that role well. Sam Rockwell has such an incredible way of portraying complex and often anti-hero type characters that anyone else in that role could have made that film simply dull to watch. I mean, we mentioned it briefly last week, yeah. week as like a kind of sci-fi we'd like to see more of. Neat but it's, concept, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's a very un-Sam Rockwell role for Sam Rockwell to play. But he, he's also great in it. And he's, I think he's more versatile than people give him credit for. I, I totally, I've always really enjoyed watching him because yes, yeah. he can do the kind of comic foil and the love, but he can actually do like insecure. And I'd, I'd almost like him to play 
nasty actually yeah. like, i think there's something really interesting about his his presence and people don't talk about him as george bush enough in vice oh yeah and he's, he's also just like why quite, should be my vice it could have been really uh it could i could have really fallen flat doing uh, uh playing a person who's already a bit of like an animated caricature of a person and sam rockwell's i think most interesting roles aren't the loudest ones it's not three billboards it's not seven no. psychopaths it's yes. the kind of it's the the other the other ones yeah i've always really liked him mia goes on to say i often find that my appreciation or disdain for a film grows significantly after reading criticism both positive and negative okay for example i enjoyed there will be blood but really started to appreciate the film and recommend it to others after hearing you guys talking about it Good. and doing some reading online as well i feel i understand it more now mia thank you so much that's thank very you. kind i also agree like some people throwing ideas at you and makes me think about something differently uh, my question to you is do you find your opinions on films or tv shows being heavily influenced by reading reviews public analysis and theories if so do you have any examples or do you usually stand by your own initial instincts after watching sorry for the long email and keep up the good work mia from ireland well mia from Ireland. oh another irish sister. hello mia thank hello. you my answer to that is kind of how we've had this Don't question before Bevan. about <laughs> yeah create a, a good irish contingent yeah um is this question about not just if you engage with criticism, but like when do you engage with it? Because mm. I think it's really great, about the timing, it's great to read around a film and to engage with all other, you know, the, the written stuff about it and, and what's spoken about it. But um, your question is like, do we do it? But it's like, well, it's like, yes, but it's about, actually about when. And yeah. to kind of reiterate what we've said in the previous episode, it's like, I will only really engage in the literature of, of, of a film after I've seen it. And after I've given it a sufficient amount of time, I would, it could be half a day or a day, to properly um, settle in my own opinion and solidify and, and become a bit more concretized in my view. Yeah. And it does take, it is hard when you read um, other opinions to not find it chipping away at your own, but that is kind of the whole point. You either read an opinion that changes your mind or it just reaffirms yours. And that's yeah. what it's there for. It, if you read something that challenges, uh, criticizes the film that you've enjoyed, and you're able to turn around and go, no, no, I think it works because of this, then you really did enjoy that film. But then maybe, conversely, if it, if it chips it away and you go, mm, I'm not sure I like that actually, you're, I, think, I think you're right, then maybe you didn't like it that much after all. And I think this evolved, I think this happens in two kind of ways. I think you either really believe something about a film, you either love it or hate it, and you're looking for validation out the gate. Yeah. You want someone to really agree or really disagree yeah. so you can challenge it. Or, and I think this is very common, you see a film or an episode of TV that you're really not quite sure on, yes. or it hasn't processed in you yet, and you're still trying to figure out how that made you feel. And I think while the cement hasn't set, you're actually looking for someone to shape your idea. And yeah. I think that's sometimes a problem. I think if you are finding yourself in that situation, which is very common, yeah. I really don't think you are stupid or you were not paying attention. Yeah. If sometimes you really just didn't get what the film was trying to do. If you immediately have that experience and you go and find a review to tell you exactly what to think, I think it warps your impression. I think mm. you, should, you should do that after you've already decided what your thought was. Yeah, I And agree. I think that's why I don't, right before and right after, try to consume reviews. I think also, if you've come out of a film and you really, really enjoy it, and you really love it, and you want to read other criticism, but you're unsure about it, ask yourself this, do you need to know? Yeah. Just remember to yourself, like, do you need to, isn't your knowledge of that film uh, happiness with it enough? I mean, I, yeah. I don't want people to suddenly switch off and go, oh, I don't need to listen to Bob Kitchen <laughs> yeah. anymore. Yeah, but just remember that, just to hold it true, like, that's all that matters mm. is your enjoyment of the film. And like, if you really enjoyed it, don't let anyone take that away from you. And also, I could say this so many times, if someone doesn't agree with you, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. And it's more interesting if they don't. Yeah. Don't be personally offended. Like, I'll never mm. be offended if someone like really dislikes a film I like. I, I yeah. could be, if, they, if they're unjustified, I'd be like, well, that's not really true. But like, yeah. 
just be like, oh, like never be, com- never like combat someone only, for thinking differently than the you. The only so time I got annoyed, peeves. the only time I got annoyed at someone's opinion about a film was I was at a barbecue and I was talking to this this girl and she was like, Get Out is like, ugh, I don't know, I just thought it was kind of rubbish actually. I just think it's kind of really silly. And I was like, okay, interesting take, <laughs> interesting. I was like, oh, I put your hot dog down. Yeah, I was like, that's really interesting. I mean, like I thought it was had a lot of depth and I've watched it a few times now and I'm really good into what. Wait, what made you say that? And she was like, well. Like, okay, okay, well, I, I actually haven't seen it, but like I've read online oh, about- yeah, yeah, thank you. That is so yeah. annoying. And she was like, I, I actually haven't seen it, but like I've read online about like what the ending is. And I just think it sounds really stupid. And I- That I, is so annoying. I was annoying. speechless. I just thought, how can I even engage with an idea what so you, stupid? What are you gaining? Like going yeah. to a bar, I think it's probably to be a contrarian. To be like, well, I think- it, I Yeah, think well, I actually think this. I'm like, how? what gives you the right? Most, you haven't even had the respect to go to, to a barbecue to sit and watch that film before you cast your opinion about it. Anyway, anyway. This next email is from Pran who says, hello, James and George. And the email is titled, Vin Diesel Across the Cineverse. Okay. Been a long time listener. And I just wanted to say thank you for the love and time you pour into this podcast. Oh, oh thank, thank you, Pran. As a fellow cinephile, your podcast is now my weekly must. Yes. I discovered it in November of last year, and since then it has kept me company on many nice. runs as I trained for the Edinburgh Marathon. Hey! What was that in, what was that in November? Um, we did The Crown. Oh, yeah. Maybe that was yeah. It certainly made those long miles more enjoyable for me. I, nice. I successfully completed the marathon, and when the going got tough, which of course it did, I decided to dedicate a mile to someone that I'm grateful for. And I dedicated my 22nd mile to the two of you. Oh. Pran, that is amazing. And 22 Pran, is my- That's lu- a big mile. That's a hard mile. And 22 is my lucky number. That is so brilliant. Pran, thank you so much. 22 of 26 miles. Pran, respect. Big ledge. That's really cool, Pran. As I you. slipped into my fatigue-induced delirium on this marathon, I couldn't <laughs> I help- I was delirious. That's no, why no. I dedicated oh. to you. Uh, I couldn't help but wonder what a Vin Diesel multiverse might even look like. Riddick, Groot, Dom from different multiverses, Xander Cage, yeah. all coming together to, to perhaps take on the actual Vin Diesel and save us all from the ridiculousness that the Fast Saga has become. Mm. Granted, I blame the fatigue for this fever dream of a thought, but not so long ago, we thought driving in space with Ludacris was, uh, was something that was yet to happen. <laughs> anyway, just wanted to say how grateful I am for your work and this podcast. I'm wishing you both joy and success. Pran from London, sent from my MacBook. I saw a cut of the scene from Endgame when Captain Marvel yeah, yeah, and it's, and it's, it's Ben Diesel in a Ford Mustang and it's that song, like the, like the Spanish song. You mean the gasolina? No, 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 it's like the song, the meme of like when people join the Fast and Furious and it's like that family barbecue oh, okay. song. Like, yeah. Um, Bandolet. I think it's called Bandolet. Vin Diesel taking on Vin Diesel. I mean, that's what I thought they were going to do. They should have done Fast Triple X and they would yes. have had Xander Cage coming, coming in. in. He's my family. Yeah, Ludacris would be like, I figured out multidimensional travel. <laughs> <laughs> also, can we just say about The Flash? Um, Bruce Wayne is a smart man. Yes. We've always known yeah. that. And both the Ben Affleck Bruce Wayne and the Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne in The Flash mm. go from being a guy who is smart, who is a successful businessman, who knows how to fight crime to being someone who fundamentally understands multiverse theory (laughs) and the consequences of breaking the timeline. At least in Endgame, they had Tilda Swindon's, the, uh, you know, like the the, all-knowing, all-seeing person. But in this, you know, Moki is like, oh, you broke the thing, but you you can't do this and you can't do that. Anyway, next email. This next one's from Laura who says, hey guys, I hope you're both well. I've been listening to Pop Kitchen for a fair while and I've no doubt it will be my number one podcast on Spotify Wrapped this year. I'm loving the... uh 
the old school listeners coming in recently saying, hey, yeah, I'm a listener, but I'm single digital. Do you think I'm it's because school. new people started to email in? And now they're like, like listen, hey, hey, I, I was here first. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I was cool before. I don't yeah. know why Mark Wahlberg listens to yeah. <laughs> Hey, 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 I was I, here I get first. up at 4.30 and I listen yeah. to these guys while I, tr- while I work out. I remember when these guys did food. And I eat a turkey breast. I absolutely love the show and appreciate all your knowledgeable and well-explained opinions on recent movies and TV shows. There are so many things that you've discussed where I've thought, ah, I should email in or equally just to say, hey, and that I love the show. So here I am, smiley face. Thank you. I'll also throw in that I find your impressions of various different characters and people hilarious. <laughs> most notably, The Grinch. Oh, That's yeah, one of our favorites. One of our favorites. In a recent episode- We are at the point of the year which is furthest away from Grinch <laughs> yeah, time, yeah, yeah. which is very hard for us to suddenly <laughs> Let us get to like at least September yeah. before we start throwing Grinch. I think we should do like a, a rewatch at some point. We should do a Grinch Just read-through. An, we should we, get a, a read-through. Or we, we do like a, a plot read through like where it's very dead. We go through like pretty much every scene and Sounds describe like a good its bonus genius. Yeah, be a great bonus episode. In a recent episode, a fellow, li- a fellow listener emailed in to say they like a good bad film every now and then. And I completely mm. agree. I would always refer to them as shit good films. They aren't trying to do anything groundbreaking, but are undeniably entertaining and a great watch. My personal favorites of these types of movies are shark survival movies, <laughs> such as The Shallows 2016. Did you see that with Blake Lively? No, I didn't, but I know of it. It's Fine. Uh, the Meg 2018, did you yeah. see the Meg? No. no. There's the uh, Meg 2 coming. Yes. It's the bloody Megalodon. Yeah. Uh, 47 meters down. I will, however, draw the line at three-headed shark attack. <laughs> Great line to draw there. Yeah. Um, also, other My survival- standards have been reached. <laughs> yeah. Three, uh, no. No. Two, I could Maybe. settle for. <laughs> it's a bloody three-headed shark. <laughs> also, other survival movies where the characters are stuck in a seemingly hopeless scenario, such as Fall 2022. I keep seeing clips it's of this on, on TikTok. TikTok. Yeah. Uh, and Frozen 2010. But not, but not, not the, the <laughs> not Disney the animated one. Disney, but the horror thriller about the three friends being stuck on a ski lift. These types of films are hard to watch and keep you peeking from behind your hands, but also marveling at the spectacularly unrealistic feats these characters seem to achieve and try to escape. What are your favorite monster survival hopeless scenario films? Uh, I just thought of Buried with Ryan Reynolds. Oh God, yeah. you seen that? No, film? but I know it. It's a film. It's one of those like, oh, it's ninety minutes in the box, and he has a BlackBerry. And, it made, and that was that, that. That's the kind of high concept film we're not seeing anymore. No, and, and that was like that's the kind of movie that got advertised on the side of a bus. And I remember because he was like, it was like Elon. I remember yeah. thinking, even Ryan Reynolds is doing this. Like yeah. it's a little bit. Yeah. Um, I would just say that the issue that she says those are shit good movies. Mm. I think I would call them good shit movies. Have I told you? I've told you about my Pizza Matrix. I may yes. have even good, done this good, on the show. Good bad, bad good, bad bad. And I think you could put all pizza in that category. I heard someone, if you, if I may, yes use that to uh it was my girlfriend and some of her friends using it to rate men uh oh. male actors being <laughs> you know, there's hot 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 ugly ugly hot uh, ugly ugly yeah and they said for example you know like hot hot is someone i don't know george clooney yeah uh hot ugly is someone problematic probably like shia labeouf who's like oh uh, okay Ugly hot is someone like Adam Driver, who is not conventionally uh, okay. handsome, but actually is like quite. Yeah. Of, and then I don't know who's that. I don't know. Paul Giamatti. Like, I, I don't know who goes in there. We love Paul Giamatti. Oh, we absolutely have Paul, come love, on the show. Please. But, uh, anyway, the matrices that we have is interesting. Yeah. And I've never thought of doing it for movies, but yeah, you could, because there are good, bad movies. There's good, good. And then there's bad, good movies. Like, like Emancipation is a bad, good movie. Do you know what I mean? It's trying. Yes. It was yes. trying to be an yes. Oscar film. Yeah. It's oh, actually okay. a bad good movie. Let's get into this. So good, so, movie, so good, good movie. Speaks for itself. There will be blood. blood. The no social network. network. Yeah, 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 could yeah, go on forever. Right. You've got 
bad good movies which are yeah. films that are really going for it yeah probably with a big star or even with a big director extremely that are meant... loud and incredibly close oscar bait movies oscar bait but actually just really aren't that good at all yeah right and then you've got bad good movies no no that's no, so like good bad, bad movies, movies which is probably everyone's favorite like yeah. good bad movies would be the things that people typically call guilty pleasures yes like you know some people would call the flash a good bad movie yeah, what good bad movies? Good bad movie is something like um, uh, some com- some comedies, maybe. Yeah, if you say if someone said to me that like they love Stuck on You with Matt Damon and Greg Kinnear, yeah, two thousand and two, where they play Siamese, you know, they play you like Joint Twins. Off. That's a good, yes, that's movies. a good bad movie. Con Air, it's yeah. a good bad movie. But then mm, <sighs> it depends because you, that's that that is a good film by its own standards, but like it is a bad. I'm sure there are a lot. These are going to, you know what? I'm going to think on this and these are going to yes. come to me. And then, then bad, bad is obvious, right? Good, good and bad, bad are, are obvious. Yes. That hasn't, by the way, we, uh, we we will do this another time. That hasn't even begun a discussion I've been having with myself and some friends recently about the difference between a film and a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another time. A good question for, for another, another time. time. Thank you, Mars Kanata. Looking forward to your upcoming episodes as I continue to tune it every week. Tune in every week, I think you mean? At uh, the most anticipated... Tune it, say tune, is in the fish. Tune it every oh, week. Uh, and also, like, imagine <laughs> dialing in. We still say tune in like it's the radio, like oh, yeah. you're tuning into a station. <laughs> Out on the way of this. Guess the movie from the... <laughs> My most anticipated upcoming movies include Dune Part 2. And uh, again, she's put the, the year in brackets, which I is love very that. pretty. And yeah. italicized. Yeah. Uh, Barbie, Greta Gerwig directed my favorite film, Little Women. So I'm keen to see her newest yeah. movie. Also, Surrounded, starring Letitia Wright. She's one of my absolute favorites. Mm-hmm. Are you planning to review The Little Mermaid? Yes, last week. Uh, it was my childhood favorite, and I found there were both things to love about the live action remake, but also things that were disappointing. Mm-hmm. Would love to hear your thoughts. Guys, last week, I gave That's all my out. thoughts on The Little mm-hmm. Mermaid. Uh, thanks, guys. Keep the episodes coming from Laura. This next email is from Fenya. I'm assuming it's pronounced Fenya. I think it's a soft J. It's jogging or jogging. It's Fenja. jogging or... Fenja. No, it's Fenya. No, it'll be Fenya. No, it's, it's, it's jogging or jogging. jogging I think yeah. it's a soft J. Yeah. Ron Burgundy. Um, Hello, well, James. I once on, my, on a holiday in Spain um, was like jumping off like one of these like mini cliffs into the pool of the hotel we were staying at and the lifeguard used to come up to me and be go, hey, no yamping, no yamping. <laughs> and to this day, me and my siblings, whenever we jump somewhere like into a pool, we're like, hey, no yumping, no yumping. <laughs> I will like it casually, like because I was just on holiday yeah. with them. Like, come on, yump in. <laughs> just like this guy has no idea that for like twenty he started, years he started something. Just remember that. Um, so Fenya writes, "Hello, James and George, and hello from Germany." Hello, spelled H A. Yeah, hello is in hello. Hello. First, I just want to say how much I enjoy your podcast. Thank, Thank you, Fenya, and I hope you're also part of the North German contingent yes. along with our other. I listeners. like to think they get together on on Wednesday evenings with, with a brow of beer, <laughs> yeah. and they say how much we like Pulp Kitchen. I found it last year on Instagram, and I have not stopped listening since. Oh. I love it, like. I, if that means continual listening, like everything, like Fenya, come out of your room. It's Christmas. <laughs> Whatever I'm thousands listening. of listens we think we've got, it's just Fenya, Fenya on, on repeat. Different machines, play, <laughs> yeah. play. Please um, do that if you fancy it, guys. That'd be great. Uh, it was also one of the things that made me discover my love for cinema and films. Nice. I have, hello, I've now found the courage to switch my uni degree from law to British literature and film studies. Oh my God. Thank you for that. Who wants to have a well-paid job when films are right there? <laughs> anyway, that is just on that point. That that's is amazing. Really if we've trickled down thoughts enough for you to change your, your career. career and possibly your life, 
we should be more responsible about what we say. <laughs> it's quite funny because also our respective other halves are in the legal world yes. and they would be mortified to learn that our <laughs> prattling on about it's taken away a legal flash. servant. <laughs> um, Fenya continues to say, well, uh, by the way, sorry, Fenya, uh, um, good luck with your new uh, path, of course. I yes, and changing new... yeah, is such a normal, fine thing to do. Absolutely. It's, it's so fine. I change what I do I wish you all half. the best of success with your course. A question I've been asking myself for a while now is what types of movies we get see made and six, what type... Like, a question I asked myself for a while is what types of movies we see getting made and, and the types that are succeeding at the box office and with critics. I would like to hear your opinion on the question if with, if with the pandemic and of course the current writer's strike, what type of movies will we get to see in a couple of years? Do you think we will ever get tired of superhero films, biopics, etc.? Have these couple of years altered all of our tastes? I myself think that disaster movies will mostly stay out of cinemas for a while. Mm. At least I would hope so. Would love to hear your thoughts on the matter. Again, love the podcast. I am looking forward to many more in the future. Fenya. Well, right there, you've brought up many different factors yeah. which uh, ch affect how films are coming out. You've done pandemic. Yeah. You've done superhero films, success. Writer's Strike, which yeah. I think we've not really covered on the show because it's still very much evolving. Yeah. To do it correctly, I, I don't really know I, how I think, to cover I think it. We, we are fully aware of the writer's strike and we're uh, really interested in it, but it's because also I think that out of respect, James and I are not close track industry analysts no. and not industry experts and we wouldn't want to talk about a complex uh, industrial action uh, without being able to do it fairly and with good research. And, and on other podcasts I listen to, I've heard uh, people who work in that industry and even writers talk quite well about it in brief little snippets. But again, like I don't want to give any definitive take i do so i do worry based on the last one of all the great shows that were either cancelled or really suffered yeah. or had that had short seasons or bad seasons and things that just really yeah. like ran out soon so it's very concerning like i, I there's a big story that severance season two has just basically been halted mm. we know all the late night shows which i know aren't what we cover but like late night shows basically stopped for mm. a few weeks so it all really remains to be seen i think it'll be a better conversation to actually pick up on in a year and also we've already had the news today or yesterday about a release dates being shifted for yes again but for various reasons so yeah. kang dynasty has been shifted back a year avatars have all been shifted back yeah. a bit um but I, that, I, separately to the writer's yeah. strike in terms of uh, tastes and coming out of covid i think i think it's less about taste i think it's just more about where people watch their content still i think that's the primary yeah. thing it's i still think people will watch something if it's very good and that sounds like a really yeah, boring I, I thing so to too. say like i think genuinely, people are seeing the good films and people are really i think we often uh, do a disservice to audiences by thinking that they don't know what they want or that they aren't very well cultured in their taste but you've got to remember that there's so much stuff out there to watch now that audiences are very well not well well read yeah. visually in their stuff so um i think it's it, yeah, in terms of like getting tired of superhero stuff, I mean that's already kind of happening a little, a little bit. But um, where do we see it going? I don't know. It just, just as long as there's variety. I mean, we talked about last week with like the absence of mid-level, mid-size, small-budget, tight, one-off films, and I think we just need to get, bring. We need more variety in the field. Mm. We need we can't just have big, massive films and tiny films. Well, I think that's exactly what's happened in the last year. They've everyone's yeah. gone. Oh, you only want to see the big movies at the cinema? Fine, we'll make more bigger movies. Yeah. that's why you get the big stars going. Oh, you do these bigger marketing campaigns. Oh, but you've got to see it in IMAX. We shot it in yeah. this way, and look at they, everyone's taking a leaf out of Nolan's yeah. book, and people go and see his films because there, there's literally a reason you cannot experience it the same yeah. way at home. And I just think Hollywood is just going to lean further into that. I 
also think that uh, have you have you sorry have you seen that on a lot of posters now they'll say only in cinemas yes they need to and, clarify and, but it's like i was, was a it, bit, there was an overlap where we got a bit of both yeah and i get i, get, I find it annoying because it's like are you saying it's only in cinemas on may 29th that mm. one day but it's like experience it only in cinemas yes. to clarify and then similarly you know we talked about how uh, streaming services give you access to all col- all uh, content ever right yeah and then there's this whole news that you know netflix recently cut down on account sharing between yeah. households and you see they got the highest increase in signups in Canada, even yeah. more than covid wow isn't that insane that is. think about this uh, their, 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 their membership goes like this covid like this and wow. then it's like i just did like a little graph with my hand um which is very interesting. So that's not going away anywhere. Guys, thank you so much for sending in your emails this week. We love to hear from you. We still have, we're doing our best to work through them, but we still have a few more, but keep sending them in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and we will do our best to read them out. They bring us the show. Sorry, James, for interrupting you there. They bring us a lot of joy. They do. do. They really mean a lot to us. So thank you. Guys, let's move on to the game. Guys, as always, Pop Kitchen ends with a game. Okay. This time we are going to play another round of a game we played last week, which is Co-Star Countdown. Oh, no, it was so hard. You are going to be fine. This week's actor Sorry. is... I realise I can't do this with many actors. I really sort of looked. Okay. You're, you're going to be fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really worried. This week's actor is the one, the only, the great... Meryl Streep. Oh, gross. right now, before you get all the films circulating in your brain, we're going to go for it. George, you have to guess the Meryl Streep movie from her co-star. Ready? Three, two, one. Emily Blunt. Uh, Devil Wears Prada. Yes. James Corden. The Prom. No. They are in the Prom together. Oh, okay. Into the Woods was that I had. Yeah. Jonah Hill. Um, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. With Meryl recent. You people, uh, no. uh, up. Don't look up. Yes. Tom Hanks. Uh, that would be... Um, Spielberg. Uh, with Meryl Streep. Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the Post. Oh, Florence Pugh. Course. Little Women. Yes. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Is that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman with Meryl Streep? Philip, uh, not the master, uh, not... Doubt. Uh, ben Whishaw. God, sorry. Belated sequel. Uh, belated sequel with Ben Whishaw. Um, and also Emily Blunt. <laughs> You're really sad to talk. Oh, 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 oh uh, Mary Poppins Returns. <laughs> yes, go on. Um, Amanda Seyfried. Uh, 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 Here we go again. Mamma Mia. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Um, it's not... Uh, it's It's... Uh, it's not Terms of Endearment. No, it's not uh, Iron Weed. It's a hard one. Jim Broadbent. <sighs> Jean Thatcher. Ca- uh, Iron Lady. Hugh Grant. Uh, <laughs> Hugh Grant. Uh, Florence Foster Jenkins. Yes. Carrie Mulligan. Uh, <laughs> Suffragette. <laughs> Amy Adams. Doubt as well, technically. Yes, technically. Julian Julia. And then Clint Eastwood. They are in the, the bridges, bridges of Madison County. <laughs> yes. God, you looked so <laughs> defeated during that. It's so hard. It is hard. My brain doesn't work. It like is, that. That hard. is hard. I can't visualize it. I can't visualize That's it. That's like one way that your brain just doesn't, doesn't work. Or, or it doesn't ends. organize people. Yeah. The door's locked from the other side. 
I, oh my God, I, I feel so stupid. <laughs> it's oh, fine. it's so hard, James. I, I feel like you could, you're, you're putting so much pressure on yourself to get it. You could, you could relax into it. Well, you'll be glad to hear that's the last round of that game. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I think it's more entertaining if I suffer though. So I've got two miscellaneous rounds for you. Okay. Are you ready for this? Well, by the way, we've got a really nice email from someone saying that, I think it was from Oliver saying, uh, hi lads, love the pod. I really want to do a big shout out for the games. It's like sitting around a computer playing Sporkle with a bunch of really good Aww. pals. And I really like that from Oliver. Thank Oliver, a friend of the show, lots of love on social media. But this is your first miscellaneous okay. game. Are you ready, oh, yeah. George? You have to name eight superheroes that have no powers. You have 30 seconds. Your time starts now. Iron Man. Yes. Uh, Batman. Yes. Uh, Ant-Man. Yes. Um... No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, super that have no powers, no powers. Uh, 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 Rocket, the Winter Soldier? Yes, you yes, a Winter Soldier's all invented. Rocket, man, no. Oh, uh, Two, one, time. <laughs> right, so one's we oh, could Panther. No, he had the no. he had the little the potion. Oh god! Yeah. So ones I had was uh, Nick Fury. He's Hawkeye. not a superhero. Nick Fury's not a superhero. In the comics, he's, he's more not of a superhero. A superhero. He's about hero. to get a superhero movie. He is on not Disney the Plus. superhero in it. Hawkeye. What is super about Nick Fury? <laughs> Nothing. Okay, Hawkeye, Hawkeye Black, Black Widow, Green Arrow, Black Widow. Uh, Bucky said. Uh, I, 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 you said no Winter Soldier. I just. Said oh, sorry, I didn't mean Bucky. Um, you could have gone for Kickass Hit Girl. Oh, that would have been an interesting one to go for. Rhodey, War Machine. Yes, of course. Um, Robin. You said oh. Batman, didn't you? Yeah. Why yeah. am I not thinking of these things? Yeah, it's tricky, but there are. You've called me at the end of a recording. That's why and I'm <laughs> yeah. tired. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? You have to name ten Leonardo DiCaprio films that are not directed by Martin Scorsese. You have forty seconds. Your time starts now. Titanic. Catch me if you can. What's eating Gilbert Grape? Um, oh, uh, Django Unchained. Yes. Don't look up. Yes. Um, um, Romeo and Juliet. Um, uh, um, Some big uh, ones in there. Uh, Leo, Leo, Leo. Um, <laughs> Um, shoot, and time. Oh my god, his whole career so, just vanished from my own because every film I thought of was a Scorsese. From funnily enough, we brought up all the ones he did in Scorsese. Oh. This is perfect for like disassociating from my game. So, Titanic, you mentioned Revenant, Romeo and oh. Juliet. I said, I said, oh, Romeo said that Inception. Oh, um, Catch Me If You Can, you said Great Gatsby. Oh, what's Keaton Grubb Great? We said uh, Django, you said Blood Diamond, oh. Revolutionary Road, uh. The Beach, uh. Body of Lies. Uh. Do you remember that? Yes. And you said Don't Look Up. But he's worked a lot with Scorsese and is continuing to work with Scorsese. That's a good question. That was really hard. Okay, that was so really this hard. last round, um, there's no time. It's going to be more of a thought exercise. It was a fun little article okay. I found that I thought was quite interesting. So, can you guess? Who are, there's no time limit, this is going to be a fun discussion. Can you guess who are the top 10 most foul-mouthed actors of all time in film? Okay. So who, which actors have spoken have the most foul the language? Most swear words okay. in all of film. Not, I don't think this is counting TV, it's just How many film. actors are there to guess? 10, the top oh, 10. 
I told you I'm not winning. Is on okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to... You can sort of guess actors and I'll confirm if they're in the top 10. And if you guess an actor, I'll tell you what place they are. Yes, okay. And I'll tell you how many swears they have committed to film. Okay. So, George, when you're ready, can you name the 10 most foul-mouthed actors of all time? Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is not on this list. Samuel L. Jackson. It, he, ja Samuel Jackson is three with 301 swears. De Niro. De Niro is not on this list. Um, that's really hard. The most F-bombs in a movie, uh, the most foul language. Who's spoken? People have said the most curse words in all of film. And number one, you will not get. Ben That's Kingsley. Why I did this. No. I'm just thinking of Sexy Beast. No. Um, okay, are there any British actors in there? Um, no. Are they all American? They are all American. Are they all male? They are all unfortunately male. Yeah, right. So typical yeah. of us. Um, but, 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 but it's not Joe Pesci. My God. Okay. You could get these. Think about the films with the most swear words in. The directors that makes the films with the most swear words in. Mm -hmm. um, so you got what was the one you got? Samuel Jackson. Yeah. He was number three. But if it's not like Joe Pesci, it's not Ray Liotta. It's not Robert De Niro. It's not Al Pacino. Oh, yes. Scarface. Al, of course. Al Pacino is uh, one, two, three, four, fifth on this list with two hundred and fifty-five. Most of his swears come from Scarface, The Godfather, and then in The Irishman, he had a load. Okay. Had loads. Okay. Great. Okay. Um, Pacino, who swears a lot? Who swears in this uh, movie? Can you give me some hints? I'm going to give you some hints. Okay, think um, think about the film that's famous for having the most swears in it. Is it Casino? It was, that, was, that was second. It was overtaken. By Goodfellas. The Wolf no, of Wall Street. Yes. So therefore, Jonah Hill. Yes, Jonah Hill is number one. Wow, Jonah that's Hill so has three. He beats Leo DiCaprio only slightly. So Jonah Hill Leo was in the list. Three hundred and seventy-six so because he was in Wolf of Wall Street, which has the most. He was also in Superbad, yeah, which has loads in there, and then he, he has some in um, Don't Look Up. Okay, but isn't that so? He, so, so he's number one. You said Leo's number two. Leo's number two. Is Seth so Rogen. Jo hold on, Jonah Hill swears twenty-two point nine times per thousand words uttered. Wow. Okay, and is Seth Rogen in there? Seth Rogen is at seven with 143. Okay, and that's just spread going over on that vein then, I'm going to say... Similar to Seth Rogen, sort of in the same uh, comedic vein. This, is, this guy's number 10. If it's Adam Sandler. Yeah, Adam Sandler is at number four oh. because Uncut Gems is ranked on the film wow. with some of the most... That, that film has 646 words in it. Wow, okay, so not Adam Sandler. Um, someone similar to Seth Rogen... Um, I'll it's, tell you, it's Danny McBride at oh, number 10. Right, so yeah. I'm going to tell you the rest of the people on the list. Thank so you. at number 10, you've got Danny McBride with 136. Then you've got Bradley Cooper with 142. Oh, wow, I guess. From Hangover and Wedding Crashes. Okay, I think yeah. it's quite a lot on there. Oh, he's, is he in Wedding Crashes? Oh, he's the... Yes, yeah, he's, he's the, the arsehole boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Then you've got Seth Rogen at 143. Billy Bob Thornton with 145 from the Bad Santa films. I haven't seen oh, them, but I'm, he must be swearing quite a lot. Them, yeah. Denzel Washington at 183, spread across many films. I get that. Uh, Al Pacino, we said. Um, Adam Sandler at next. Samuel Jackson from all the... Uh, it, it says Pulp Fiction, Django Unchained, and The Hitman's Bodyguard, which I haven't seen. But I can imagine that being quite crude. DiCaprio at two, Jonah Hill at one. Wow. Isn't what that a quite list. interesting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, list. Wow. And then I was just going to, as another exercise, which I'm not going to make a big deal out of, but the, the top 10 movies with the most swears in them. Okay. So, so number one is Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Number two is Casino. That, that is number three. Oh, because Uncut Gems is number yes, two? Yes, Uncut Gems is number two. Okay, so, that, so we've got the top three. Um, is Goodfellas in there? Goodfellas is not in here. Is. Um, 
a comedy is like in the loop in there no okay um shall i read them out to you because you yeah. might not get them so number four is jay and silent bob strike back kevin smith right. with 509 fury with Dave from David Ayer at 489. And I do not remember that being that many swear no. words in it, but it must have been. Straight out of Compton at 468. Okay. Summer of Sam, Spike Lee film at 467. Yeah. Nil by Mouth wow. at 432. Reservoir Dogs coming in yeah. at 418. And Beavis and Butthead do America. Wow. At 414. But um, my main one is Uncut Gems really going to the top yeah. of the list. They must be trying for that. You have to be going for that to be doing but 646. But if, if you can't even take The Wolf of Wall Street's crown with Uncut Gems, yeah. I don't see what kind of... Yeah. And, I, and I just think Wolf of Wall Street beats it due to runtime. Yeah, of course. Like the other ones just... I feel like Uncut Gems, if it had been more uncut, it would have, it would have exceeded them. But I just thought that was an interesting one think, for who's the foul-mouthed actor. What... Off the top of your head, do you think what show do you think has more f words in it, The Sopranos or Succession? <sighs> I mean, Sopranos runs for longer. Yeah. Oh, but Succession's dialogue is so rude and quick, and just like there'll be fucks you don't even know about. It has to be Sopranos. Cause, uh, should we say like per per season? You'd have to evaluate per season. If you if you did it of, if you did it as a percentage of all episodes. Mm, like per per GDP but yeah. per episode. I don't know. Could someone do the math? Someone do the that math and email know. in. I am exhausted. You I feel like you've used are... my brain as a punching bag. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen. We really appreciate you staying till the end. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget you can post don't forget you can listen to new episodes of Pop Kitchen. Yeah, we post every, it. They we listen. Post it. You don't need to post it. Every single Wednesday. As ever, guys, as you know, please continue to follow us on Instagram and TikTok and like and subscribe and like the posts, share the posts, love the posts, comment on the posts. Um, we really appreciate it. And, and and share the love and share share the spread the word about Pop Kitchen. If you're going into work on a Monday, how's your week been? Or got any podcast recommendations? Yeah, listen to this thing on the train. It's called Pop Kitchen. We really appreciate it. It really helps us and uh, we love it. Thanks, guys. See you next week. And look out for the bonus episode about the Flash. Spoiler cast. See you next week.